You are back with The Conversation on Hawaii Public Radio. This is Catherine Cruz. For many of the nation's struggling small businesses, the latest $900 billion coronavirus relief package is a much-needed shot in the arm to coincide with the new year. And with stricter terms, loan caps, and earmarked funds for minority-owned businesses, this round of relief comes with more oversight to ensure that money is going into the pockets of the businesses that really need it. Emily Marr is the Assistant General Counsel for the Hawaii Employers Council. She spoke with the conversations, Harrison Patino, to break down the latest relief package. What happened over the recent vacation was President Trump on December 27th signed into law the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021. Um, Altogether, it's a $2.3 trillion spending omnibus bill, but $900 billion of that is dedicated specifically to coronavirus relief. Um, And then what is good news for a lot of Hawaii employers is the Consolidation Appropriations Act extends a lot of the COVID-19 relief measures that were enacted last year, just with a few tweaks to kind of correct some of the hurdles that uh, existed last year as the programs were first rolled out. So in particular, what's the plan for that $300 billion in small business loans? How much of that money is Hawaii going to see and how is it going to be distributed? So I think you're talking about the Paycheck Protection Program, which um, the act is extending the Paycheck Protection Program through March 31st. Um, altogether, countrywide, it's going to be an initial additional nearly $300 billion um, for employers to apply for forgivable loans. And this next round, I think, will be especially helpful for many employers in Hawaii because this round of PPP loans directs the Small Business Administration to earmark $12 billion of that $300 billion to minority-owned businesses. Hawaii is a, a state where we are majority of, of minority-owned businesses. Um, we have approximately 70,000 at last count, according to the SBA recent um, statistics. So an enormous number of Hawaii-owned businesses stand to really be um, eligible and likely to get some of that funding. Well, in many ways, we've seen the pretty stark racial disparities in how this pandemic has been affecting people in this country. I can assume that probably goes the same way for minority-owned businesses. That's a, that's a really good point, Harrison. One of the, the recent studies um, that the SBA did release showed that, unfortunately, some minority-owned business owners, business owners in Hawaii have been suffering, and so certainly this will be welcome relief for them. Now, we've also heard of some provisions of stricter terms and loan caps for these paycheck protection plans. Can you get into that? Absolutely. Uh, so on this second round, um, the The law is really seeking to fix, uh, I guess, some of the loopholes that we heard about um, last year. Um, So now, in order to be eligible for a Paycheck Protection Program loan, you cannot have more than 300 employees. And you also have to have gross receipts that demonstrate that you actually suffered um, as a result of the pandemic. So your gross receipts must demonstrate Um, at least a 25% reduction between comparable quarters in 2019 and 2020. In addition to that, um, they've also implemented loan caps. And so 
Um, you know, you may have heard in the news about some really large companies that, that didn't seem to need the money, getting a lot of money. Um, that won't be the case this time around. The, the loan caps are um, either the lesser of $2 million or two and a half times the average monthly payment for payroll. That phrase, proof of suffering, is a pretty dark way to determine that. But as you know, and as you just alluded to, there's been a lot of headlines in the news about some recipients of small business loans who certainly might not have needed it as much as other struggling small businesses could have. It seems like what you're saying is uh, there's a lot more oversight in this round of funding to make sure that people who actually need it. Absolutely, that that it's more widely allocated, that the money is getting to the people who really need it in order to stay afloat. Now, I understand there's also additional aid being given to colleges and universities. Could you speak about that? Sure. So from the employer perspective, um, the aid that is is being given to employers with regard to education is to allow them some tax credits um, if they were helping their employees pay down their student loans. There may be other provisions, but because I'm only looking at this from the perspective of employers, and the Hawaii Employers Council is only focusing on that, I couldn't speak to any other uh, university-specific measures. One thing that that I have been focusing on is Congress passed the Families First Coronavirus Response Act, and it was a huge change and a real scramble for employers to process implications of this new bill, um, which was set to sunset on December 31st, 2020. What this new federal law, the Consolidation and Appropriations Act, does is it extends uh, the refundable payroll tax credits and the employee eligibility for FSCRA paid sick leave and family leave. So now instead of December 31st, 2020 being the deadline, um, employers and employees could take advantage of this up through March 2021. Um, A really big difference in this, though, is that it's optional. So under the original act, uh, covered employers were required to provide this uh, leave to their employees, and they no longer have to. Um, But I think many employers will be interested in taking advantage of this opportunity because they will still receive tax credits for doing so. Now, throughout this pandemic, small business has really borne the brunt of a lot of the economic damage that we've seen here. Are you getting the sense from employers that this latest round of funding is really going to help certain businesses stay afloat, or is this really just a Band-Aid on a wound here? You know, certainly anything is is better than nothing, but I think that President-elect Joe Biden really spoke um, what a lot of people were thinking when he said that this this is great, but it's just a down payment. Um, you know, he, he's already signaled that his administration is really going to be enacting a lot more relief, that a lot more relief is necessary. Uh, how successful he, he, he will be at implementing this agenda depends, of course, in part on the outcome in Georgia. Um, but the Hawaii Employers Council will continue to be on hand to track this new legislation and all employers, even those who aren't members, um, can go to our website, hecouncil.org and look at the latest round of legislation and relief and get our analysis on it. That was Emily Marr, Assistant General Counsel for the Hawaii Employers Council, talking with The Conversation's Harrison Patino about this latest round of federal COVID relief.
Support for HPR comes from Compassion and Choices, celebrating the second anniversary of the Our Care, Our Choice Act, allowing terminally ill adults to request a prescription for medical aid in dying. Compassionandchoices.org slash Hawaii. The pandemic could end in 2021 if enough Americans get vaccinated, but many don't want to. Yes, I'm going to get a vaccine, but I don't want to. I'm afraid of it. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. We'll take a look at what's driving that fear and what it will take to overcome COVID vaccine hesitancy, build trust, and beat this pandemic once and for all. That's coming up on the next On Point. Beginning this afternoon at 2, following the world. Support for Hawaii Public Radio comes from UH Manoa's Osher Lifelong Learning Institute for ages 50 and older, with virtual courses designed to engage the mind and enrich lives. Virtual Open House Sunday, January 10th. More by searching Osher Hawaii. This is The Conversation on statewide, member-supported Hawaii Public Radio. Now it's time for your Backyard Quiz. In today's Backyard Quiz, we look at a former student of Hawaii Preparatory Academy and Iolani School whose music career is big in Japan. This singer-songwriter grew up in Japan and played piano. She moved to Hawaii when she was 15, went to APA, uh, HPA on the Big Island before transferring to Iolani here in Honolulu. She majored in political science at George Washington University in D.C., but in 1997, she saw Sarah McLaughlin in concert and knew she wanted to pursue a music career. After graduating, she worked as a secretary in Washington, but quit by 2001. She's known in the U.S. for her song, Kiss Me Goodbye, which was used as a theme song for the video game, Final Fantasy XII. Since then, she's released several albums, as well as producing and writing a number of songs. Do you know this Japanese music artist with Hawaii ties? Call 941-3689 or 877-941-3689 if you think you know the answer. The first one to get it right gets a reusable tote bag that tells people you got it right. Support for the Backyard Quiz comes from Nayreet Hawaii, which represents real estate businesses committed to supporting affordable housing statewide, along with civic and community initiatives for residents. Learn more at nayreethawaii.com. Just when you thought it couldn't get more stressful during this pandemic, Madame Pelly stirs. The lava-ravaged neighborhoods on Hawaii Island are understandably a bit on edge. We caught up with news photographer Mick Halber, who's made a career of filming the lava's flow. Displaced during the devastating 2018 eruption where hundreds lost their homes, 
His home was spared, though many in the Capona Gardens and Leilani Estate subdivision were uh, damaged or overrun. Calbert talked with us after going back up to film the growing lava lake at Halima'uma'u Crater. He says the recent activity is making many of his neighbors uneasy. A lot of the residents of Leilani and the whole lower east rift zone here were terrorized, you know, and it was a lot of, of not knowing what was going to happen um, in addition to the pain of, of losing uh, homes and roads and everything you know and love from the hot pond to the, the pool, the tide pools at um, Kapoho Beach lots and vacation land. And it was very, very difficult for a lot of people. And so it's starting back up again struck terror into the hearts of a lot of people down here, I guess is the way to say it, some more than others. We have invested a lot in our property because we don't, because we think we're safe. Whether we are or not, we don't know for sure. But, you know, this is life on a volcanic island. This is life on um, on Pele's terms. And um, we're, as we say here in the Puna, we're going with the flow. So we think we're okay, but it, it does make us a bit uneasy when we see the eruption, and how, especially the size of the eruption in Halemaumau. My God, that is enormous. Absolutely enormous. That's, that's the whole crater that was filled before, a half a mile across. That's the whole crater filled with active lava. Before, what was in there was just a small portion of that crater. And so this is the whole thing that's full of lava. So it makes you uneasy. I mean, you you don't know if if she's gonna come down your way again. No, we don't. We don't exactly, exactly. So there there is that nervousness behind that. But I, I don't know. I'm confident that we're safe down here. You have to look at the topography of the whole thing, and you know, could could we get it again? Sure, it could happen anywhere on this island, but more more in certain places than in others. But. Um, I don't think she's going to come revisit the same place again. And even if she did, most of the places that she erupted are below us. So I think I'm crossing my fingers, knocking on wood, that uh, we're okay. But I really do think we're okay. And share with our listeners uh, what life has been like down there, returning to your neighborhood. Well, you know, just recently we had a, a man, uh, Sam Estes, who built a road uh, the end of Luana Street to the south of Fisher 8 uh, got covered up, and he put he rebuilt that road to his property. And his property actually is on Fisher 8, on the cone, a part of the slope of the cone. So that's caused tremendous anguish here. You know, I mean, a lot of people are saying, hey, he owns the property, let him do whatever he needs to do to get back to it. And then other people say, wait a minute, that's, you know, he shouldn't be, he shouldn't be bulldozing a road up to the fissure. That's just going to bring visitors here and, you know, and everything in between. There's just all kinds of, of um, angst and, and um, feelings about what's happening out there. You know, there's no way to get a consensus, which is, which is true in the Pune in general, you know. There are some such diverse opinions here that, you know, you, I always joke that you can't get them to agree on anything. You know, you can't get them to agree whether the sun is up. So um, that sounds like a joke, but it's not entirely a joke. Um, but it, Leilani is a fractured community. It's really torn apart. You know, there's just a lot of bickering and, and infighting, and, you know, it's not physical, but um, there's a lot of social media blows up. 
I'm kind of an administrator for one of the pages, and they uh, a lot of people like to continually attack the board of directors, and it's gotten really, really kind of nasty. And it's sad. It's really sad because we live in a beautiful place, and, and um, it'd be nice if everybody got along. But Emotions are pretty frayed. Oh, yeah, they're still raw. That's, that's the thing that's amazing. It's been two years and since they left it here, over two years, and almost two and a half. And, it, it, you know, as, as nice a break as that was, and as much healing has taken place, there is still a lot of PTSD. There's still a lot of people who live in fear and have angst over the whole thing, and it's totally understandable. You know, it's just the way it is. So what was it like going back up in the helicopter again? Well, you know, we, we go up periodically. It's not like we just did the eruption and stopped. We still have flown uh, over the past couple of years. We just don't do it very often. So uh, I'm good with that. I like to fly. Flying's fun. It'd be nice to fly when we could get close to what we're trying to shoot, but they won't always let us do that. They, let it, they made us fly at... Um, 4,000 feet over Leilani, and so that was quite a distance. But because the eruption was so big, we were able to see it. Now at Holly Mountain, oh, initially we kept, they kept us a half a mile away, and um, it was ridiculous. Actually, it was more than that. It was a mile away. But um, in terms of, of now, we've gotten a little closer than that, but we still have to be about 4,000 feet above the crater, 5,000 feet above the crater. So it's not really a very good picture. You know, we're we uh, haven't been able so far to get in with USGS. You go shoot from where they shoot from. Be nice to be on the ground. I was on the ground at the lava lake in Hale Mountain in 2011, I think it was, and it was the most amazing lava lake I've ever seen. And this one dwarfs that one. You can just sense the power, I guess. Oh, it is amazing to stand next to an active lava lake like that. It's just, you know, rumbling, deep rumbling in the earth and and sloshing, and it's just kind of. Unnerving and exciting at the same time, you know. Which is, you know, the volcano is that way to me. It it um, has both shows both sides. You know, it's beautiful, it's ugly, it's it's powerful. When it stops, it's nothing. You know, it's black, it's white, light and dark. It's it's just a study in contrast. Yeah, it and sounds. That's the, that's the amazing part about it. It sounds like uh, you've got lava under your skin. Well, yeah, it's been in my blood. I I didn't come here to to shoot the volcano. I never intended to make the volcano my life, but it has become my life. Um, it, it's been a really good career, a really fascinating uh, thing to me. You know, I moved here in 1984. It's kind of running away in a way, but I, I moved here for an adventure. I didn't want, as I say, I didn't want to live and die in Denver. You know, I was, I was over doing that. And I wanted to go someplace. I wanted to do something. And so I moved here not really intending to shoot anymore, but I saw uh, Mount Lua going off and Kilauea going off at the same time. And I said, hey, you know, I better get some equipment. And, um, and that, was, that was the start of it. You know, I got some gear, and uh, Kent Baker over at KHLN called me up one day and said, go up and shoot the high fountain eruption. I got in a helicopter, and I was absolutely blown away. I was so taken by the volcano that... I just started shooting it, and I, every time at high fountains, I would shoot it and shoot it and shoot it, you know, couldn't get enough of it. And then uh, when it rolled down the hill and took some miles and went in the ocean, I had my first show, and, and I put that out, and it was wildly successful. You know, back in the 
VHS days. Right, that's, that's how a, old I am. That was a while ago. Uh, yep. Do you yep. do you ever feel you know as you talk to your neighbors you know the, some of like the survivors' guilt knowing that your house survived and you oh know, yeah oh absolutely no absolutely we we um, when we first got back here I was I was thrilled to still have a home and I was just so I felt so blessed that we had been uh, our place had survived but you know in between that. There were times of feeling like, why did we survive when so many people lost their homes and their properties and, and lots of their belongings, you know? A lot of people didn't have time to take anything with them or take very little with them. And um, so, yeah, there, there's been survivor's guilt for me. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, why that happens, I don't know. You know, why, why are we the lucky ones? I don't know. Yeah. But, so um, you were displaced for for how long? Six months. We moved out not long after the eruption started, and we were gone for about six months. We actually got a rental near the home we lived in 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 Hilo. We'd only lived in this house for two years when mm-hmm. the eruption happened. We were displaced for about six months, and then we moved back in October. So it wasn't long after the eruption ended, but for a time there, the county came in to Leilani Avenue and put up barricades. When we evacuated, they cut the electricity off. So the electricity on Kupono, uh, Pomaikai, Moku, Kupono, Nohea, at the time, I think Luana, part of Luana was still there. All that area lost electricity. So if you lived here, you had to live without electricity. And they put the barricades up, you couldn't drive in anymore. So that, that made it so we couldn't get back here. But we would come periodically and they would let us in and we could take things out or do what we needed to do on our property if the, if the SO2 was okay. Because the air down here was really bad sometimes. Is the air quality okay? Oh yeah, there's no problem with the air here now. You know, the fissures still steam. They do put out a little bit of gas, but mm-hmm. I don't know what's been happening since the eruption restarted, but up to that point, it had gotten less and less and less to the point where USGX says it wasn't, it was you know, negligible, really so, not, a, not a problem. There's a little bit of a smell to it. There are a few people who will never live here again. Some people that have evacuated their homes, just abandoned their homes. But I, I don't have an exact figure on how many, but I would say most of them are back. My neighbor's house right now, they had they had water damage that came through. They, they are back in, but they've had a tarp on that roof ever since the eruption. Over two years, they've had a tarp on that house. That's been a real, real problem here. They have a hooey of people. They're going after Lloyd. Lloyd took care of some people, didn't take care of And I think they have 75 people, homeowners, that are going after Lloyd that, that Lloyd won't pay them. So did your house suffer any pay. damage? Well, our roof was completely rusted. When we came back, the entire roof was rusted. So we, we replaced that roof, and we have actually four roofs. We have three carports and a, and a home. And we replaced the roof on our, on our home, and took that tin and we worked and, you know, did the other one. The other ones will have to be replaced eventually, too. We lost some plants, we lost cats, but um, it wasn't that okay. accurate, comparatively speaking. And that was a conversation we had with Big Island photographer Mick Calver talking to us about getting back in the air, covering this latest eruption of Kilauea. He believes his neighbors are still suffering from post-traumatic stress and are nervous with this latest eruptive phase of Kilauea.
Honolulu Civil Beach Reality Check today looks at ineffective masks in the state's supply of personal protective gear. Reporter Eleni Avendano joins us with the story. Good morning, Eleni. Good morning. So uh, uh, share with our listeners what the situation is, because at the beginning of this pandemic, there was a lot of scrambling to get your hands on any masks, uh, just because there wasn't a lot out there. Sure. So, yeah, I I just wanted to point out that um, this uh, state-organized PPE distribution program, it was really a monumental effort. Um, It's actually the largest movement of emergency medical supplies within the state since World War II, Um, and it was largely successful. Um, The thing to highlight, though, and what the story is about is that um, certain masks with valves were distributed, about a couple hundred um, and the, these types of N95 masks with the valves are not effective at preventing the spread of COVID-19. Um, so we just want to make sure that folks who did receive them know that um, folks in the general public are not advised to use these. Their um, N95s in general are intended for our medical workers. Right. And these masks, these particular masks had valves on them. Right, correct. So when we talk about respirators, we're talking about the thick filtration masks. They have to go through a medical certification, and they have to go through a proper fit test to make sure they're working. And so when a valve is added, uh, a wearer, if they're infected, they might infect others. Their breath might escape. So the CDC discourages their use during the pandemic because they might protect the wearer. Um, But if that wearer is um, infected, they might actually accidentally infect others. So, you know, places like the University of Hawaii or Hawaiian Airlines, uh, they forbid the use of masks with those exhalation valves. Right. I think the concern is, like, if you happen to sneeze, that, that the the virus particles will be thrust out further. Right, right. And the interesting thing is that um, the CDC has said that those valves, they can be adapted by closing off the valve, you know, with a piece of tape. Um, if needed, but that message is more intended for the medical community. If there's nothing better available and, um, you know, for people like us, the CDC and the uh, Food and Drug Administration say that we should not use these N95 respirators to conserve the supply for medical workers who have a much higher likelihood of being in high-risk scenarios for COVID transmission. So for us, cloth masks with at least two layers is recommended. And what did the Hawaii Emergency Management Agency say just about uh, these masks with the valves on it and how they got distributed. Yeah, so when they realized these types of masks are not intended um, for general use, they, they pulled them from the inventory. Um, unfortunately, some got back into the inventory and were distributed as part of a um, couple hundred orders. Um, so so they were made aware of the error. They, they, um, they said it was a mistake and, you know, a, a program of this magnitude, mistakes do happen. Um, the purchases that they made were in the span of six months. You know, it was a highly competitive market, and they kind of likened it to the Wild West. Um, and, you know, you're, you're bidding on things like gloves and not only masks, but gowns and face shields, goggles, um, boots, hand sanitizer, um, that sort of thing. So, you know, invariably there are going to be challenges with such a large operation, Um the program was originally created to serve the health industry, but when smaller operations, you know, small businesses, dental offices, you name it, they were reporting that 
supplies were either too expensive or they just really couldn't get their hands on them, um, this PPE program expanded itself back in September to allow certain small businesses and nonprofits to apply for the free supplies online. So it's been a mixture of uh, federal and state um, dollars totaling about $81.5 million. Um, and yeah, $81.5 million has, uh, in PPE has been distributed to date. And I know uh, you folks there at Civil Beat uh, were recipients, I think, of some of these masks. And, and then, uh, what, got a letter saying um, we're pulling these back? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we pointed out that, um, you know, Civil Beat is a nonprofit. So um, we were in the category that was eligible to apply for the free supplies. And um, so when we received them, that's when I reached out and found out about um, what had happened. All right. Okay. Well, good story. Thanks so much, Eleni. Thank you. That was reporter Eleni Avendano with today's Reality Check. You can read her story online at civilbeat.org. You know, we heard from our listeners following smoky festivities ringing in the new year with fireworks. Peter from Kihei had this to say. Yesterday, there were a lot of huge fireworks that uh, I have pets, and they almost went crazy. And all the smoke and debris landed in our property. So I spent like two hours cleaning everything. Somewhere I read there's a lot of heavy metal like cadmium, copper, phosphorus, quicksilver, depends on the color. So there's a really, like, really bad stuff in it. And if you inhale it, and kids basically running around and inhaling all the smoke from the fireworks, I hope it will be banned totally because it's just like spend the money, buy something for the kids. Thanks. And Dove Kadima, who lives above Javi in North Kohala on the Big Island, shared this. On New Year's Eve, between the hours of 6.30 p.m. and 1.45 a.m., our neighborhood sounded like a battle zone. This disturbance of the peace is always unpleasant for the humans in the area, especially the elderly amongst us and our veterans who suffer from PTSD. But it is simply devastating for the animal population who have no understanding of what is causing these terrifying sounds and vibrations. If you've ever had a dog for a friend, you know they are part of the family. And for those of us who love and care for them, it is deeply distressing to be powerless as we watch them shaking and panting for hours, petrified by the sounds. It certainly cannot be good for their hearts. A good portion of the population would like to see fireworks banned in residential areas altogether, or at least be limited in their use to the hour or so surrounding midnight. And we also heard from people who wanted to give a shout out to those who uh, they were thankful for as 2020 ended. King Van Nostron is the executive director of Na Ho Aloha, a Maui nonprofit that provides support services for seniors. He talked to the Conversations Jason Ubai about how the nonprofit was affected by the pandemic and how a ride-sharing company came to the rescue. I am very grateful uh, this season for uh, my kapuna, the kapuna of Maui County, uh, to have a uh, 
a safe uh, holiday season. Nahovaloa is a volunteer-based nonprofit serving Maui County for 26 years. Our goal is to keep homebound seniors and persons with disabilities safe, free from isolation, and out of long-term institutional care. Our mission is to provide compassionate care to seniors and persons with disabilities to help them remain independent and to enhance their quality of life. Here on Maui, many local nonprofit agencies genuinely offer support and guidance to seniors and persons in need during these difficult and stressful times. Even as the entire playing field was upended in March, Naho Aloha continued to focus on participants and persons in need while providing supportive service to Maui County seniors. When the social and safety distancing mandates were put in place, it immediately eliminated the majority of our services. Naho Aloha provided to those very persons who relied on organizations to deliver supportive services to persons in need and changing it from in-person to virtual. As the spotlight grew brighter on older Americans who were most affected by the virus, panic fuel calls were coming in regularly. Nahoholoa's success can be measured by our collaborations with partnerships with other compassionate companies that focus on a common goal, is to keep Kapuna safe. Our services included friendly visitor, in-home respite, transportation, homemaker, and telephone reassurance. Suddenly, there was no available drivers interested in volunteering to drive seniors to and from their medical appointments. None of our volunteers wanted to risk getting ill. Then suddenly, on April 2nd, a hero stepped in. On a tip from Hawaii Community Foundation, Lyft would be very interested in helping Maui seniors and persons living with disabilities to continue their medical appointments. After our initial discussions, Lyft immediately offered support to our Kapuna and provided free ride credits. And not only did Lyft start issuing free rides, it began the conversation to continue keeping seniors safe well after the initiation month. Well, thanks to Lyft's generosity, Maui County seniors and persons in need have been offered 450 trip vouchers providing transportation. We fulfilled 230 free ride trips for seniors covering 3,600 miles to medical appointments, chemotherapy, weekly dialysis, radiation, and physical therapy. There's much talk these days about corporate corruption and business greed, but to offer another perspective, some big companies really do focus on the little guy, and Lyft is a support leader. Nahoholoa is honored to partner with such a management and a compassion and giving company. Lyft has raised the bar on customer service and community support from management down to the drivers who are on the road every day. And I just wanted to share my gratefulness for the financial and logistics assistance during these difficult times 
and lift has come through for Maui County. This is still ongoing, the uh, lift offering free vouchers and helping uh, Kapuna there on Maui County? It is. They have reassured us that they want us to continue doing business together. What do you hope for 2021? I would really like for us to start being more focused on people around us and not so much on ourselves, uh, thinking about uh, our neighbors, thinking about our community, thinking about our island. And I do see that this COVID uh, situation is going to get better in 2021. Uh, I just wish that we would continue uh, the same um, mode of people caring about the next guy and looking out for somebody else other than yourself. That was King Van Nostrand, Executive Director of Nahualoa. Thanks for the feedback. Email us at talkback at hawaiipublicradio.org. Reach out via social media on Facebook or Twitter or call our talkback line 792-8217. We now go to the land of the rising sun for the answer for today's quiz. This singer-songwriter was born in Japan but went to high school at Hawaii Preparatory Academy and Iolani School. After college at George Washington University in Washington, D.C., she decided to pursue her music career. She produced commercial music for several Japanese companies before deciding to move back to Japan in the early 2000s. In 2005, she released an independent mini-album under Virgo Music entitled One, which was the number one selling indies album that year. In 2006, she made history at the Nippon Bodokan Hall and was the first artist to perform there solo. Outside of Japan, she's known for singing the theme song to the video game Final Fantasy XII. That song is called Kiss Me Goodbye, and it was written and performed by Angela Aki. Congratulations to Yukiko McClure from Upcountry Maui. You got it right. That's today's quiz. If you have an idea for one, send it to talkback at hawaiipublicradio.org. Support for Hawaii Public Radio comes from the Honolulu Museum of Art, presenting the exhibition Kamran Samimi, In Stillness, with works exploring ideas of space, time, and impermanence. HonoluluMuseum.org. Coming Saturday, January 16th, it's a virtual Atherton Studio concert featuring Jerry Santos, founding member and lead singer of Olomana. He'll be joined by Kamuela Kimokeo, playing traditional and contemporary Hawaiian music hear beloved favorites, as well as new songs. This event is just for HPR station members. Sign up at hprtickets.org. Sponsored by Bonnie Rice and the Rice Partnership, Wealth Management.
that song you just heard is Tin Roof Shingling by Jim Kimo West. He's a Canadian guitarist known for his work playing guitar for Weird Al Yankovic and for his slack key guitar albums. More Guitar Stories is his latest, and he's also involved in the Aloha Radio Project, a tribute to the golden age of Hawaiian music. West has just been nominated for a Grammy. We revisit a recent conversation with HPR's host, Dave Lawrence. Welcome to the show. Great to have you on board, brother. Aloha, Dave. Mahalo for having me, man. You're super, super welcome. And let's start with uh, folks are familiar with your stuff. Derek plays it. And where else have people heard it on HPR? I know you've played our Atherton before, right? Yes, I did. I I think I did a a double bill with Stephen Inglis a number of years ago. That was really fun. We had a great time. But I know, yeah, Derek has been playing my music. He's such a great supporter. He's been playing my stuff since the beginning. And I think I put my first Slack Key record out in 1999, I think. And again, uh, you're on with a new release now. It's called uh, More Guitar Stories. So you described it to me as a multicultural journey of sorts with Slack Key being the common denominator. Share with folks uh, a little bit more about what you're implying there. Well, in 2015, I put out a record called Guitar Stories. So all my all my records, I, I think this is my 10th record now, but they've most of my records, uh, they've all been uh, slack key or sort of contemporary slack key. I sort of have my own take on it, but they've all been pretty much in the slack key genre. But with Guitar Stories in 2015, I decided to sort of use the slack key tunings and some of the slack key... Um, embellishments and techniques but use that in the context of other musical styles you know like mm-hmm. on my on the on guitar stories in 2015 i had tracks that were uh, middle eastern um, west african sounding you know stylistically um, so more guitar stories is basically a continuation of that idea you know to bring uh, slack key guitar uh, the tunings the techniques into these other kind of world uh sort of a world fusion of um, of sounds. The last three records that I've done have been all original, um, and my slack key records prior to that are, are usually mostly original tracks, but, I, you know, I often cover some great, you know, standards on, on those records. And some of your favorites, Jim, in terms of the, the cats that most inspired you? Well, you know, I, I, I wasn't born in, in Hawaii, but I, I came to uh, the little town of Hana, Maui in 1985, and I ended up staying in Hana for a long time. And the folks that I stayed with when I first came, they had a lot of slack key records. And of course, oh. uh, they had the Gabby Paikinui, right. uh, the Panini series, you know, the Gabby Paikinui records. And when I first heard that, it was like, you know, this music just sounds exactly like what I'm seeing in, in Hana, the place. It feels like it's, you know, coming out of the earth. So, you know, Gabby, of course, was was the first influence and um and the other records they had too were Ray Connie and Sonny Chillingworth and you know the the real legends of, of Slack Key and the the records that were done in the 70s probably nice foundation and uh, so in addition to the uh more guitar stories you also are involved in this Aloha Radio Hawaii project, which is a uh, tribute to the golden age of Hawaiian music, recorded live in the studio by Grammy-winning engineer Dave Way, featuring steel guitarist Ken Emerson. Well, it's a, a really interesting project. My friend Dave Way, who I've known for a while, a fantastic engineer, he called me. I was on the road um, 
uh, last year, and he called me and um, told me about this project, a Chinese label that does really beautiful work of a lot of international records, and they wanted to do a Hawaiian record. And Dave settled on the idea of this tribute to sort of the golden age, as we call it, of Hawaiian music, 20s, 30s, and 40s. Some of it is kind of jazzy. You've got uh, some beautiful acoustic steel guitar. And he talked to me about it. And I said, well, you've got to bring in Ken Emerson because Ken um, is the master of, you know, the old style acoustic national guitar, steel guitar, you know, that lap, lap steel, the acoustic style, Saul Ho'opi'i style, you mm-hmm. know. Him and his brother used to back up Mokeali back in the day, and uh, he's such a master at it. So we got Ken on board, and then Dave um, found some other great musicians to to round it out. We had uh, uh, Dean Parks on guitar also. We had somebody playing vibes. We had some percussionists and fabulous vocalists. We, so we did it all, all the music live in the studio and um, used a bunch of vintage microphones, and they also recorded it in what they call Dolby Atmos. So it's like a surround sound. So we did it in, in Hollywood, A&M, um, which used to be A&M. It's called um, Henson now, but it's a fabulous studio that actually where some Hawaiian records were recorded way back in the day. And with both of these projects in this new world of everything basically digitally uh, available, is this the kind of thing where you expect folks to check it out on their Spotify or they're going to go to YouTube or they're going to go get a physical CD? Um, yes, everything's available, uh, you know, in all the, the regular streaming services. It's pretty easy to find. And, you know, if, if you like, if you still like the old CDs, the antiques, which are still great, <laughs> my car still has a CD player, so <laughs> so I like CDs still. And no vinyl, huh? A lot of people are doing the vinyl again. Um, right, yeah. Well, not on this one. Um, now, Ken Emerson and I did a record a couple of years ago called Slackers in Paradise, and uh, which Derek Malama has played on his show, and we did put that out on vinyl, and that was a very rootsy record, so it it really worked really well on vinyl. And you're the uh, reason, one of the reasons I asked is you're a longtime guitarist for Weird Al Yankovic, and uh, you've been playing with him since when? Started playing with Al in the early 80s, if you can believe it, but it has been an amazing career. Last year we did a tour everywhere. Every show was uh, with a full orchestra every night. <laughs> and when's that next? With the because uh, I kind of asked because obviously now with the with the pandemic nobody's touring and doing stuff. So that's why I was figuring out when you when you put the music together for your more guitar stories. When's the next gig with Al gonna come up? Do you guys have plans for next year or or, or just leaving everything? Yeah, on um, we'll have to see how it goes. Originally we were planning on taking. Um, 2020 off and then starting up early uh, next year but that's not going to happen but we probably hopefully will be starting a world tour at the end of next year probably in the fall of 21 to 2021 that's sort of the plan right now any feedback from him on your uh, new record um i haven't yet i sent it to him and he's uh he's got it and i i'm not sure if he's heard it yet but uh but al's actually a very uh, big fan of my music and i know you know, he used to come visit me when I lived in Hana, and he eventually bought a house in Hana. And so he would always, he told me he used to always love to um, listen to Coconut Had. That was my first CD. They would 
when they'd be driving from Kahului to Hana, they'd always listen to Coconut Hat on the rides. <laughs> so he's a fan. <laughs> right on. Well, I guess you got to get guess you got to get him an actual antique there, uh, Jim, and, and he can put he can put that in his CD deck in his car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's uh, Jim Kimo West, and he has got this uh, slack key artist new release, more guitar stories. You probably hear his tunes with Derek Malama on uh, Connie Capilla Sunday. But now you've just heard a little bit about his new release and this Aloha Radio project. You can also look and or listen for that involves him on board. And next year, fingers crossed, or at some point in the future, fingers crossed again, we'll see you with uh, Weird Al Yankovic and, and him getting back into performing and stuff. Hope you had fun today, and I really do appreciate you uh, reaching out to us and being part of the show here on HPR. Thank you so much, Dave. It's always uh, always fun to talk uh, on HPR, and I remember the first time I was on HPR, I think it was 1999, when I put my first record out, so it's great to be back. <laughs> um, great to have you on board. Absolutely. Well, mahalo, my friend. was Jim Kimo West, who spoke with HPR's Dave Lawrence recently. The songs you heard can be found on his current project, More Guitar Stories. The album is currently in the running for Best New Age Album in this year's Grammy Awards. We'll find out who wins later this month. We'll post links to West's website at hawaiipublicradio.org. Now here's more of Paniolo Starlight. That's a wrap for today. Tomorrow we hear from a Big Island helicopter company about adapting to the COVID restrictions. And how's business rebounding with this latest show from Pele? Call our talkback line. What are you hoping 2021 will bring your way? Plan to get the COVID vaccine? Email us at talkback at hawaiipublicradio.org. I'm Catherine Cruz. Join us tomorrow for more of the conversation.